0: You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is Locked On Rams. I'm Trent Rush. So glad you're with us today for the podcast, Uh, and what a day it is. Uh, Certainly better than yesterday. Yes, the sun has risen this morning and what continues to be a disaster of a season for the Rams. I don't know how many of you were at the game yesterday. Uh, I got a chance to watch not only from the press box but I did go and my parents were at the game for a little bit and I got the chance to sit with them in the end zone take in the experience and talk with some of the fans and boy what a mess it was on so many levels I know you're frustrated people that cover the team are frustrated the players are frustrated the coaches are frustrated there's a lot to be unhappy about with the LA Rams and we're going to get to all of that on today's edition of Locked On Rams Again, I'm Trent Rush, Uh, taking over for Travis Rogers. Uh, Travis did an awesome job with this podcast. I was a listener. I really enjoyed a lot of his work. Uh, He used to work at AM 830 KLAA in Los Angeles. That's where I work now, where the home of the Angels carry the Ducks, 49ers, Notre Dame football, Cal football as well. Lots of stuff on AM 830. You can hear me in the mornings uh, from 6 to noon every single day in L.A. I'm the updates reporter there. I give the latest news who's a note so I was actually at the game yesterday covering it for a.m 8 30 and as I was driving home from the game last night I had two thoughts one how relevant are the Rams right now I just kept thinking about how many problems there are with this team and you know you have a Lakers team which I guess thank goodness they've lost six straight games otherwise maybe the Lakers surpass them and we're not in baseball season right now not a lot going on But USC is going to the Rose Bowl. Trojans, still the top team that plays at the Coliseum. I know there have been some turbulent times for USC, but it still looks like the Trojans are top dog, which is just unbelievable because the Rams have had every opportunity to be that. Now, I still think the Rams are the most interesting story in Los Angeles right now. I was leading Rams all morning long earlier today. So to say that the Rams are irrelevant and doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it is just a mess. And the other thought was, who do you put the blame on? I mean, there's so many places you could put it. You could go to the top. You can go to Stan Kroenke, the owner, and his involvement. But I'm really not the biggest fan of going after owners in sports because, the owner's responsibility is to put people in place that know how to run the team. It's not necessarily, you know, this isn't the Cowboys. And this, you know, even Arthur Blank, who was at the game yesterday for the Falcons, I mean, he's sitting in the front row of the press conference after the game. And that's an owner that's really involved. I don't know if going after Stan Kroenke necessarily is the right thing to do, though he should shoulder some of the blame. I mean, this is his team. Kevin Demoff, a big part of it as well. But it's bigger than Kevin Demoff. It's bigger than Jeff Fisher. I mean, when I'm thinking about the list of issues with the Rams, firing Jeff Fisher, which needs to happen immediately, I personally would not have been that upset if he didn't make it past the third quarter. You know, the way the Rams looked and as uninspired as they played, I thought that was actually possible, as bad as that was. But there's still like four or five other things that have to happen before you even get to the Jeff Fisher problem. And the bigger issue is the idea of the nepotism going on That's ruining the Rams in so many ways. I mean, think about this. Kevin Demoff's father is Jeff Fisher's agent. Tell me that's not a conflict of interest. I know some of the guys were on Mike and Mike talking about that earlier this morning. And even though you want to be professional and they say they're professional and you believe them and you think that's not a problem, there is just no way in the world that you can't possibly have some kind of a conflict of interest in that regard. It's going to happen. It's part of the deal. You cannot tell me That Kevin Demhoff can objectively evaluate Jeff Fisher when Demhoff's father is Fisher's agent. That doesn't make sense. You want to know the root of the problem? Let's start right there. That's the very start of the issues with the Rams. But it's a long list. We'll get to that list. Again, I'm Trent Rush. This is Locked On Rams, part of the Locked On Network. So many great podcasts on this Locked On Network. David Lock does such an awesome job, and we're glad you're with us. And thank you for finding us. If you're new to the program, thank you. I appreciate that. If you're a fan of Travis's work of Locked On Rams, the podcast, I'm here to accept the torch. Hopefully, you live up to the standard that Travis set because he did such fine work here before. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about the game itself. I mean, really, if you wanted a microcosm of the entire season, you really only needed to see the first 10 seconds of Sunday's game. I mean, I'm not kidding. Rams choose to receive. Mike Thomas back there to return because Benny Cunningham was hurt. You know, Mike Thomas has returned a couple of other Uh, kickoffs this season, though not very many. Bunny Cunningham has taken a bulk of the load uh, in that position. Well, the rookie Thomas fumbles it, tries to pick it up, can't do it tries to get more yards, ends up in the hands of the Falcons. One play later, Matt Ryan, touchdown. Next thing you know, 14.50 on the clock. We're in the first quarter, and the Falcons have a 7-0 lead. What a disaster start. When you think about the worst possible starts in football, I got to say, I don't think it gets any worse than what we saw. And I thought the reaction in the crowd was great. There wasn't booing. There wasn't a collective groan. It was Silence. The Coliseum was silent because nobody knew what to think at that point. As bad as the Rams have been all season, coming off of a blowout in New Orleans, then a blowout in New England, they come home for Atlanta, and you finally okay. Maybe there's some optimism. You got an Atlanta team with their top two targets out. You're coming home. Final four games, let's make a push. Let's be respectable this season. You're going to be on a short week at the Seahawks the next week. Let's come out and have a good opening drive. Then that happens, but that's okay because then the Rams get it back and Jared Goff actually marched really well. I talked about the four or five things that have to happen before we even get to firing Jeff Fisher, which does need to happen as soon as possible, by the way. Jared Goff is not one of those problems. I think we've seen enough from Jared Goff to know that, yes, he's a rookie, yes, he's making those mistakes, but I think that there's enough good things to build on with Goff that he's going to be okay down the road. Jared Goff, of all the problems with the Rams, all the concerns, the quarterback play right now is at the least of those worries. And on that drive, that first real drive for the Rams, you see Goff finding Tavon Austin quite a bit, really a nice drive, Todd Gurley getting some good carries. All of a sudden, the Rams get into the red zone, and you start thinking, okay, if the Rams could score a touchdown here, make it 7-7, defense gets a stop, it's like that first play by Thomas never happened. And it would show the kind of resiliency that championship teams have. It would show the kind of resiliency that, you would want to see from a team led by a coach like Jeff Fisher that we're all told is a fantastic coach. Except Jared Goff throws it right into Kenny Britt's hands, hits on the chest, pops up in the air, picked off by Atlanta. And I go, are you kidding me? That was the play that changed the game. There was no coming back at that point. For everything that had happened really for two weeks, started with the Eric Dickerson saga, that was two weeks ago, and then last week, all the talk about Jeff Fisher and Les Snead not getting along. You put all that together. Then the first play of the game, you muff the opening kick. Results in a touchdown within 10 seconds of the game starting. But then your quarterback, your rookie quarterback, puts together a really nice drive. And Kenny Britt, as he seemingly has done in every game this season, had a critical drop. Ends up right into the hands of the Falcons. That was the game. The game was over. at the Five minutes into the game, it was over. Actually, it was like four minutes and change. Game over. So you want to know the first order of business for me? Wide receiver. Before you even get to the firing of Fisher, you got to get a receiver. And I know the timeline isn't going to work like this. You got to wait till free agency or the NFL draft, except the Rams don't have a first-round pick. So I guess free agency is it. Got to go get a receiver. And before you even get to that, why even deal with Kenny Britt and Brian Quick right now? I understand why you have to have Tavon Austin. He's a slot guy and, you know, his speed makes him electric. I know that it hasn't resulted in the kind of success that the Rams were hoping for when they signed him to that monster contract at the beginning of the season. But first order of business is get a receiver. Why not see more Farrell Cooper? Why not see more Michael Thomas? Give those guys more reps. Let them go. What do you have to lose at this point? You know Kenny Britt and Brian Quick can't catch. You know they can't catch the football. Put someone in that can. I don't care what you're paying those guys. Quite frankly, I was shocked that Brian Quick even made the team out of training camp. He was so bad there. But then it was pretty good the first couple of weeks. Looked like goal as well. But now we're right back to square one. But it's Kenny Britt's drop. And it only, is it just me, or does it always seem like every Kenny Britt drop comes on third down? And it's always in a critical situation, too. It's always like it's in the red zone, or on third down, or the Rams have to score on this drive. He's wide open, drops it. Now, he's made some really good catches, too. He's made some tough catches that most guys couldn't make. But the amount of drops, staggering. I don't know who's responsible for determining, like, what's a drop or not. I'm looking at some stats. They say Kenny Britt's only had two. We know that that's not accurate. But, like, Lance Kendricks has had four. Tavon Austin has had five. These are your studs. That's abysmal. That's really bad. And we know that that number is short of what it actually is. Here's a different stamp. I want to know where the Rams rank in terms of balls that should have been caught, but were not. I thought that's what drop meant, but I guess it should be balls that should have been caught, but instead were not caught, or at least not caught by the right team, like what happened to Kenny Britt on Sunday. The number two issue, get an offensive line. Rams again in the bottom five in terms of penalties. It seems like every week you see holds, and they just come at inopportune times. They become extra noticeable because of when they happen. Every week, hold offense, number 73, Greg Robinson, take 10 steps back. Every week that happens, and it always comes the worst time, too. The Rams need, like, two offensive linemen. The Rams aren't, like, one offensive lineman away from being okay, but the the whole offensive line needs to be revamped. But when you got a number one overall pick, a rookie quarterback, that has shown some promise, he has shown flashes that he can be pretty good, what are the two things you have to do, first and foremost? Protect him, give him targets. Boom. Really, that's not even one and two. That's really one A and one B. Targets, protection. That's what Jared Goff needs. You give Jared Goff that, all of a sudden the Rams offense pretty darn good because you also have a good young running back in Todd Gurley. I'm not saying he's the next superstar. I don't think Todd Gurley is going to be an elite tailback, but I think he's going to be a top third guy for several years. I think Todd Gurley will be a very good, like a B-plus running back for a long time. Todd Gurley's got some talent. He's had a down season, sophomore slump, call it what you want. Gurley's better than what we've seen. He's going to be all right. I don't think he's going to be elite, but Todd Gurley's a good tailback. You have a good young quarterback, a good young tailback, but you got to give him targets and protection. So that's two. And three, get yourself an offensive coordinator. Are y'all noticing a trend here? Basically, all of this has to do with the offense. Rob Boris has not done a good job this season. I know he says he wants to be creative and he's doing different things. He does that at times, but he doesn't do it enough. I tell you, I actually really like the way the Rams start games and the way they start second halves. That first drive coming out of a big break is always very good. The way the Rams start games is always strong. The plan is in place. It's well executed. I mean, you can't blame Boris for the Goff interception when it hits Kenny Britt right in the chest. That's not on Rob Boris. But what is on Rob Boris is as the game progresses, the efficiency and the play calling gets worse. Like As the game goes on, he falls off it's almost like and i don't know this but it's almost like the game goes too fast for him that rob boris can't quite keep up i mean he's a first year offensive coordinator that's okay but here's where first year offensive coordinators can have success you can have success as a first year offensive coordinator if you're in a system with a ultra veteran quarterbacks coach or a head coach that's a creative great offensive mind that really understands offense. Jeff Fisher is not that. Jeff Fisher is a smart football guy. Jeff Fisher is outstanding when it comes to understanding defense. I really don't think Jeff Fisher's actually a terrible coach. I think he's an okay coach that's in a really bad situation. But if Jeff Fisher could get himself a legitimate offensive coordinator, that changes everything with the Rams. The Rams do not have a legit offensive coordinator. Rob Boris is not that. And this is now two young offensive coordinators that Jeff Fisher has messed up on. So, yeah, got to get a new OC. That means Boris is out. That's three. Four, I'm going to lump them together. Snead and Fisher got to go. I know they got their extensions, but this is not working. This is not a shot at their knowledge of the game. I have spoken with both guys. Both these guys know football. Again, I like them. I like Jeff Fisher. I think Jeff Fisher is going to be a really great defensive coordinator for somebody if he wants it. But his time as a head coach, especially with the Rams, has to be over. This team will not continue to progress as long as Jeff Fisher is the head coach because the Rams were uninspired yesterday. The Rams quit in yesterday's game. I talk about that play where it goes off Kenny Britt's chest, the Goff interception. That was the game. The players knew that too because they didn't bounce back. They could have. They chose not to. The most frustrating part about this Rams team to me is that they're not necessarily getting beat by other teams. They're beating themselves. That was a theme discussed in the locker room plenty. Lots of guys talking about that. That's even something I put on Twitter in the third quarter. The Rams were beating themselves yesterday, and they continually beat themselves. All right, New England, yeah, they're better. All right, but you come home against Atlanta, no Julio Jones, no Sanu, Matt Ryan doesn't have targets. Rams think they got a chance. Which brings up another thing, by the way. Jeff Fisher said in the press conference that, yeah, not having those guys gave us a glimmer of hope. What's that supposed to mean? Hey, Jeff Fisher, does that mean that had Julio Jones been playing yesterday and he was a game-time decision, had it gone the other way, that means before the game even kicked off, you would have thought the Rams didn't even have a chance? What does that say? This is the same team that before the season started said had the kind of talent to be better than 7-9, and better than 8-8. and Better than 9-7. and seven. So then why are you 4-9 and nine right now? Why have the Rams lost 8 of the last 9 games? Why have the Rams lost 4 games in a row? Those are the questions you have to ask. Yes, it's on Snead because he did not acquire the right talent. But it's more so on Fisher. Because with the resources that the Rams have used to get players, Fisher has not done enough to improve them. And on top of that, he's made poor decisions with the staff. That's the role of the head coach. You go make them better yourself, or if you can't do that, go get guys that can and put them on your staff. Jeff Fisher has failed to do that, and that's why the Rams have failed this season. Oh, we're just getting started, too. Again, I'm Trent Rush. So glad you had a chance to join us today. You can follow me on Twitter at Trent Rush Sports. In fact, I'd love to hear from you, get some feedback, and I'll be answering some of your questions on tomorrow's podcast. I'm going to be doing this every day, taking over for Travis Rogers. So again, the Locked On Rams podcast is hosted by me, Trent Rush. Follow me at Trent Rush Sports on Twitter and send me your questions and we're going to be answering those all week long here on the podcast. Also, be sure also be sure to follow at Locked On Network to get a chance to hear about all the other podcasts going on here on the Locked On Podcast Network. There is fine work being done with every NFL team, every NBA team. Really, really good stuff. Go follow at Locked On Network. Again, I'm Trent Rush. Thank you so much and looking forward to catching up tomorrow. the list.